Welcome, and thank you for stopping by Biker Church, Wally, Texas. Let's go on in and see what Charlie Mullen has to teach us today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, we come to you tonight, humble and looking for answers, Father. Looking for the answers that you place upon our hearts, Father. Looking for understanding of the answers you place upon our hearts, Father. Looking for the willingness to accept the answers that you place upon our hearts, Father. Father, get our flesh out of the way and let our spirits be the one to rule our lives, Father. So that you can set yourself upon our spirit, Father. Father, I ask that you bless this offering we're about to take up, Father. Let it be continued to do your work, Father. Father, I ask that you bless my tongue that the words that come from it will be yours and yours alone, Father. Father, I ask that you take me out of the equation, Father, and let it be a conversation between you and God's people, Father. Father, it's all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Uh oh. So, school's starting. My wife tells me that I should prepare myself for lower numbers in church and lower tithe numbers until the newness of school getting started. I don't believe that. I believe it happens because I believe that the people in the church today believe that they don't have time. They have to be home tonight instead of at churches across this country getting their children ready to start school tomorrow. And they don't have the money to pay their tithe because they have to go buy school supplies. Well, I'm going to tell you something right now. If church is not part of your getting ready to send your child to school, and church is not something that you want to supply your child with for school, then you, my friend, are going to have a child going to a public school who is listening to a demon standing at the front of a classroom and not going to know how to recognize it. Because I believe if you raise a child in church, they will call sin, sin, and they will call out the devil when they see it, and they will understand that not everything coming out of a person's mouth standing at the front of the room is the truth, which is why I beg for God to make it my word, his words and not my own. And I'm telling you right now, God is absolutely tired of our excuses. He's absolutely tired of us being, in our, and, and this is the one I love, I'm just not in a season of growth right now. I'm not in a season of giving right now. We're in a season of preparing our children to go out into the world to become adults. Seasons? Really? You're going to have seasons now. Guys, it's going to be hard for you in your life to have four seasons. We live in a state that only has two. Hotter than Hades and dead of winter. I would love a fall. Yeah, we, we have a fall, a day, two. You understand what I'm saying, though? If you really, truly want to prepare your children and get your children ready for back to school, man, you should have had them in all kinds of church camps. Well, you know what? I don't even want to say that. I said that when we started talking about 
getting a youth group together at this church, people started talking about, yeah, we can go on church camps and youth camps and spend the night out in the woods. And I said, I want, I want to know how much Bible they can learn before we turn them loose off out in the woods together because I don't want to be the one to explain to some 13-year-old daughter, daddy, how I took their kids out on a mission trip somewhere and she come back knocked up. I'm not going to explain that. I want the kids to have more God in them than to do the world in them before I take them out in the world. Because if you send a kid out there unprepared, I mean, come on. If you're going to go out into the world, don't you prepare yourself for going out into the world? Don't you, don't you pray before you go and do things? Why wouldn't you want your children to learn that? Why wouldn't you want your children to be protected? And this is not my sermon. This is the introduction to church, and I'm already getting out here. I mean, my wife told me a while ago, she said, uh-oh, pastor's already got his shoes off. My feet got cold, so I had to put them back on. If you're going to make up an excuse to not go to church, don't use your kids. Because I think Jesus, didn't Jesus say something about holding your kid out of, kid out of church? Something about a millstone and being thrown in an ocean? Yeah, don't keep a little one from God. Trust me. Having him in church till 8 o'clock on Sunday night before it's time to go to school on Monday, he ain't going to bed at 8 o'clock anyway. Right. Going to be on there on that phone underneath the covers till midnight at least because he's not going to be able to sleep. So next Wednesday, lady, or next Saturday, ladies, how many we got coming in here? I don't know, four anyway. Mama, you can put your hand up. You'll be here. <laughs> she didn't raise her hand. Scared me. I was like, you, you, uh, you coming? Um, I don't even, what other announcements do we have? Huh? You know, I mean, we got men's Bible study. Guys, if you can't make it to the Bible study on Tuesday night or you just find an excuse not to come, I'm going to tell you right now, I feel like, honestly, I feel like you're missing out. I know, it's kind of a dead room today, man. I mean, but you know what? I, I'm going to preach because I've preached to Annie and my wife in this room with a video camera, and that's it. It's hard to do because I like to be at least be able to look at her and get an amen every once in a while. I told her we need to get like a laugh track, but get an amen track. Not for the video to make me look good, but at least keep me rolling, you know? Because, I, you know, here's the, I know, but here's the thing, man. This is what y'all don't understand. Y'all are a big part of this. The congregation doesn't realize that we're not in one of them churches that won't let you move. And I need an amen every once in a while to know that I'm doing halfway decent. I'm going to quit walking around this thing because I've done about nine trips around this podium already. I'm a little bit fired up about God. I don't know about y'all, but I had a good time this morning. I had a wonderful time yesterday. We had a, a, a unity breakfast with the Christian writers, and I had a gentleman walk in down there yesterday that completely blew my mind. I'm not going to say any names, but my wife was over there going, that can't be him. That can't be him. That just can't be him. Yeah. Yeah, she's looking at the guy's road name tattooed on his forearm. But I'm going to tell you something, man. This was the cream of the crop when it came to outlaw bikers. And now he's not an outlaw biker anymore. He's a, he's a soldier for Christ. And he's hardcore about it. And you know what I feel like? You, you, remember, you remember that team that gets its hind end kicked every year? And then it finally gets a first-round draft pick? And all the managers and everybody are walking around going, yeah, we got him. We got him. That's what I'm doing in front of hell right now. I'm walking back and forth in front of the gates of hell going, look who we got. Look who's on our team now. And what I'm, I got two more. 
I got two more coming out of that world that are going to be in here, and then we're going to build a dream team, and we're going to go to the Olympics. I mean, that song, Show Me My Heart, God, Woo! you got to be careful praying about that because I've been asking God because I've, I've, I've got a lot of questions here lately that I need answered, and God is asking me, I'm on a road here, and God is asking me to take an exit and it's kind of like when I'm riding down the road with my wife, and I know where we're going. At least I thought I know where we were going, and my wife said, hey, take this exit right here. I'm going to take it, but I got questions. Why are we taking this exit? Are you sure you know where we're going? And I keep asking other people, hey, man, keep me in your prayers. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And God just slapped me with this verse, or this chapter, I should say, and it says right here, verse 5 starts out, this is what the Lord says. Can't get any more to the point than that. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. How many people in here know somebody like that or have been that person? They want to be with God. But only when it's convenient. They want to please man so much that they take off running in the direction that they think they need to be going, and the next thing they know, they're out of breath, they're parched, they're dehydrated, and when they look around, they're standing in the desert. So they cry out. So what does that mean for one of God's people? That means we have to go to the river, and we have to bunch water up, and we got to tote water to them until they can get back where they need to be. God, Jesus told the lady, send people to this well, and I will give them water for which they'll never thirst again. Because you can't hang out next to that well. God's going to send you other places. But I'm going to tell you what you can do, and it's coming right up in this thing. I've got one, sweetheart, speaking of water, if you were getting that one for me, but you're probably getting it for you since I already had one. But anyway, I'm just... Just like I said in a sermon a little while back, just like the guys who carried the, the lame man around on the mat... How long, kind of like the, the guy that is sitting in the, in the boat with the game warden and he lights a, a stick of dynamite and hands it to the game warden, that's the game warden, are you going to sit there or are you going to fish? Are you going to be the one who keeps hollering for water and have to have people? How long do you want to have people tote water to you? How long are you going to be the one sitting in the middle of the desert, not ever wanting to go near where the well is because that's too much commitment? How long are we going to be the one sitting in the middle of the desert having other people tote water to us and give us the nourishment that we need before we finally get tired of having to depend on man because you'll never see prosperity when it comes if you're too far out in the desert? So how do we fix that? How do we not have to have water toted to us is in the next few sentences right here. Let's go. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, 
who con confidence is in him. He will be, woo, here it comes, right here. Here it comes, a problem, a problem to solve our problems, right here. He will be a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never, ooh, wait a minute. I'm going to wait a second on reading this next one right here because I've heard some of y'all say this. I'm not in a season of, I'm in a season of self-repair. I am in a season of self-discovery. God doesn't expect me to produce fruit when I am growing. Woo, come on. That's a lie straight out of hell. I think Jesus cursed a tree for not producing fruit in his presence, and it never bore fruit again. Because it was sitting by itself in the desert. I'm going to have to tell you that if you've been sitting in this desert long enough to where somebody finally notices that, hey, man, there is a steady stream of people carrying water to that cat, how about we dig him up and take him by the water, and I'm not going to say plant him. I'm going to say see if he'll take root. Can't make him. You can't force him. But you can take him to where the water is and let him know that if you will just, mm, if you will just tap into what God has, then you will bear fruit in all seasons. I'm in a season of growth right now. I can tell you that right now. God's got things in store for me. Does that mean that I don't have to do anything here? Does that mean that I can stop blessing people because God's going to bless me and i got to get myself ready for it? Just like I was saying a while ago, you want to buy your kids school supplies? Replace that wore-out Bible you gave them last year because they wore it out by reading it all year this year. Ooh, wait a minute. How many people bought their kids Bibles last year? school. I know you got one, young man, because if you hadn't got one, I was getting you one. I think it should be on the required reading. If we're going to study about Darwin and we're going to study about other things, I really think you should have to read at least a few chapters out of at least the New Testament. Well, you went to a Christian school. I'm you know what? You went to a Christian school that surprises me you had to read the Bible. Because he who lives by flesh alone is never going to get it. Matter of fact, it goes as far in his book as here in the saying that you've got to put a head out on your flesh. Your flesh has to die to your spirit. What, I, didn't, I don't think I read the most important part about this thing right here, did I? Didn't I skip that? It has no worries in a year of drought and never, and never fails to bear fruit. But see, I'm a good person, and I have a good heart. And I do good. I bring tampons to the homeless women. You could buy 10 truckloads a month of tampons for homeless women. That still ain't getting you into heaven. You're going to be a good terms with the homeless women. But you may not be good in God's eyes. And I wouldn't go around trusting my heart, to be honest with you. What does your heart say? Well, I don't listen to my heart. Well, why don't you listen to your heart? Because the heart is a deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Your heart is flesh. 
God, Jesus said, when you die to your flesh, he will come and live in your old, rotten, nasty, black heart, right? He says he will give you a new heart. He don't want that old one. Let me tell you something, man. Mine was black and wore out and broke up and beat up and welded back together and broke again and welded back together and broke again. And <coughs> it really wasn't all that great of a thing to have. So what are we getting at? Where do we need to be? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. Like a partridge that hatches eggs it did not lay is the man who gains riches by unjust means. When his life is half gone, they will desert him, and the end, and in the end will prove, he will prove to be a fool. How are you going to put your stuff in flesh, man? How are you going to put any of your time in investing in the flesh? I know guys all day long, man, I got my body conquered, man. I spend six hours a day in the gym. If I want my biceps to grow three inches this year, they'll grow three inches this year because I command my body. Where's your spirit at, Holmes? What if we spent, and I'm not saying that if you spend time in the gym that something's wrong with you because obviously I spend my fair share of time in the gym. Actually, there's... A couple years ago, I did. <laughs> what I'm telling you is, is if we would put half of the heart and spirit into the Bible that we do everything else, man, where would we be today, man? Where would we be today if we had spent them outlaw years, as we like to call them, my young and dumb years, as we like to call them? Where would I be today if I had, you know what, though? But then again, I may not be standing up here in front of Biker Church if I hadn't have gone through some of the things that I went through. And I'm not going to say God carried, him through, carried me through them because he didn't have a whole lot to do with things back then. I am alive by his grace, and that's the only reason why I'm alive. I'm not alive because I had some bro spare me. I'm not alive because I had guys watching my back. Because trust me, when it really came down to it, standing out there by myself, you don't believe that, call the prisons and ask the prisons where them brothers is at. They ain't there. They all testified. Never, never mind. That's a different, different sermon. What I'm getting at is if you will plant yourself next to the river and you will tap into what the Holy Spirit has to say, you will never go through a dry season. You will never go through a drought. You will never go through, I mean, you live in Texas, you're going to go through a heat wave. But it's never going to be something that you have to worry about. Because he tells you right there that any type of worry, any type of ooh, any type of heartache, any type of worry, any type of man, come on, sickness, addiction, that's all of the flesh. There's only so much this world can do to this body before it kills it. And praise God if it kills it, because if you're tapped in and you're producing fruit, it doesn't matter what that season of change is. Your season still produces fruit because you get to go to heaven. Your job as a, a man or a woman of God is to praise him and serve him. And the ultimate prize that you get at the end of this is that is your job full time. And you ain't even got to go to the watch factory no more. I don't even have to give up and make my long commute to work every morning. I don't... <laughs> my two and a half minutes. You see what I'm saying? I'm going to take that as a sign from God that he disagreed with what I just said. 
It might have been the enemy running when I hollered hallelujah a while ago, you know. What you need, my wife knows when I'm having a good day because that's how I walk in the house. And she's like, oh, good Lord, what has he gone through now? Because I don't cuss hardly no more. I don't yell hardly no more. I don't get upset hardly no more. Because that's what I started doing when I get frustrated and I get mad and I'm getting upset about people at work and things aren't going my way. Instead of getting mad and instead of walking off and instead of doubting what it is that I'm supposed to be doing, I cry hallelujah. And what that does is that puts me in the right frame of mind to be a child of God, not a child of the world. And I can handle anything because I can do all things through who. Come on, man. All you have to do is let those roots get in there to where they have the Spirit. You heard me pray before, Spirit, Holy Spirit, flow like a river through this room. That is so you can tap into it. Tap into what the Holy Ghost is doing in your life today, and you will never thirst again. You will never have a dry season. Matter of fact, you'll never have, it's, you can't call it season if you're always producing fruit, if you're always green, if you're always, your thirst is always quenched, if you're never hungry. But I'm going to tell you this, there's one thing that I hope you're always hungry for, and that's the Word of God. One thing I hope you always thirst for is the Holy Spirit. He never said you'll stop thirsting for me. He just said you'll never be thirsty. You'll never suffer through it. You'll have it. Man, come on. I'm going to be honest with you. My wife went to the store today. I've got no reason to be hungry because there's food in there. I've got no reason to be lonely. God gave me a wife. I've got no reason to be angry because God, my, I serve a God who loves me. There's no reason for me to be mad at what's going on around me because the spirit within me calms me. The enemy flees at the sound of my master's voice. And all I have to do is cry it out. Do you not understand that when you have Jesus living inside you and the enemy approaches, that the words that come out of your mouth don't belong to you, they belong to the Holy Spirit? God sees Jesus in you when he looks upon you, but I'm going to tell you so does the devil. When he looks across that room and sees you standing there, he thinks easy pickings. And then you turn around and all he sees is the glory of God. And he's like, man, drats, fooled again. I'm reading a book right now. And if you want to know what it is, ask me after church. And I'll let you know. It is an amazing book. And he's, my mind was blown before I ever got through the prologue. <laughs> He's, he's having visions and prophecies about the hordes of hell marching under banners, pride, arrogance, deceitfulness, depression. And he says they were riding something, and he couldn't tell what they were riding on, and he thought it would be stallions. He's riding on the confused, they're riding on confused Christians. And man, come on. And he said, he said something that completely blew my mind. Most Christians today cannot see what they're under attack from because they're blinded by that self-righteous banner they're waving. Come on, man. Come on. Am I so self-righteous that I can't even see the demon riding on my back? Am I so hung up on myself and how far God has brought me in the kingdom that I can't see the enemy shooting darts at my back? 
Because I'm going to tell you something. Everybody shines the front of that armor. Everybody patches up the front of that armor because you think you would need armor because you're going to go out and face the enemy head on. But what you don't realize is that you have an army of God's people standing behind you, and there's going to be arrows coming from there too when you reach out in the Holy Spirit because they aren't planted by the river. They are standing in the desert, and they don't understand what it is that you're doing. Jesus never said anything in the Bible or did anything in the Bible that a holy man didn't have something to say about it. So you think every time the church attacks you for something that you're doing something wrong? The church of today is dead and gone compared to what Christ ordered when he said start a church. No more compromise. No more getting along just to get along. No more I will accept what it is that you're doing if it will get you in this room. No more. No more. Because all that does is pull up my roots and put me in the desert. And I refuse to let anybody dig me up anymore. And I sure ain't going to have y'all tote my water. I don't need you to tote my water. I don't want you to tote my water. My job is to make sure that you are planted next to the water. But here's the thing. I can't dig your hole. I can carry you to the water and nurture you until you take root. And if you let your roots grow deep, then you will stand the storm. If not, you will float away with the river and we'll never see you again. Thus, an empty room. I refuse to water down my sermon because you can't stand the truth at 110 proof. I will not do it. I've tried it. Lived a completely unfulfilled life because I was trying to make everybody happy. You know what? If you don't like what I have to say, take it up with God. Because praying for me to change is not going to work. Because I've got somebody else changing me besides you. God will mold me into what he wants me to be. And as Les would like to call it right now, right now he's molded me into a rock-throwing preacher. What am I supposed to do? It's kind of hard not to throw a rock when God puts the rocks in your hands. And that's what I told Les. I said, I don't do it to try to be mean. I don't do it to try to blame anybody. I don't do it. I do it because that is a lesson that God is teaching me. And my job as your pastor is to lead you down the same path God is leading me down because I have enough faith in my God to know he's got us all going in the right direction. And if somebody strays off, is it my job to stop leading this one and turn around and go over there? Or is it your job to go catch that one? Should I stand here and wait on an answer? If I stop marching, are you going to stop marching? Or if I get off the path, are you going to keep going? Your job is to look past me to see the destination. That way, when I have to jump and go grab that one, you don't scatter. That's what the Holy Spirit is about. The Holy Spirit is about looking into your soul and saying, don't go that way, come this way. This is why the gads, this is why the devil doesn't want you in the home. Because then you can't take your son and mold him and shape him. And women, don't be upset with your, with your son whenever he don't like me, other men. He don't like it because the only opinion that he has of his daddy is the one that you give him. 
So don't badmouth his daddy in front of you because then one of these days you're going to get mad at him for doing something and you're gonna, he, you, he, all he, you talk about is how sorry his dad is and then one day you're going to look at him and you're going to say, you're so much like your daddy. And guess what? He's going to accept it because his mama said it. Well, my, she said, my daddy was sorry, no good, and didn't deserve it to be happy. Well, I guess that's me. So the next time this guy mouths off of me, I'll just shoot him in the face. What have I got to lose? My own mama thinks I'm sorry. We've got to be careful what we do. We've got to be careful what we say. We've got to be careful what we do in front of other people. How's that song go? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Whew. They see everything, folks. They see everything. They hear everything. They do everything. And I'm not talking about the little ones. I'm talking about your grown kids. I'm talking about the kids that you've adopted over the years, the friends of the friends of the friends. I was telling a young lady today when she said that she thought she was too young to make an influence on her parents' lives, and I said, I needed to introduce you to a little girl named Aubrey Mullen who watched her daddy not just walk through hell but hold hands with the devil while he was doing it. And then she got back and she got in church and she started doing the things that she was wanting to and she started convicting her daddy by things that she said and, and telling her daddy, I wish you were here instead of out there doing things like that. And then she talked, then God hit her daddy one day with a, one of her words and daddy hit his knees in front of a motorcycle shop over in Wiley and now I stand here today. So when I tell you, you ask me who my hero is, I'm going to tell you my hero is my 19-year-old daughter because when she was 14, she brought her daddy back to Christ. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what your education's like. It doesn't matter what your parents were like. It doesn't matter that your daddy was an alcoholic womanizer and your mama cheated on him every chance she got and shot everything into her veins that wasn't apple juice. It doesn't matter what they did. What they did is on them. Young people, what you do is on you. And trust me, just by walking with God, you can change your parents' life. Don't do it for your parents. Do it in spite of them. My daughters did me. You know what? I'm going to grow up and do the right thing in spite of what my dad says. Of course, now she says, Dad, it doesn't. it's not like telling... She said, you know, my dad's an outlaw biker. She said, that helped keep unwanted attraction of guys away a whole lot better than telling them that I'm a preacher's daughter. And I said, oh, tell, trust me, when I was living in the bad boy times, if some girl told me she was a preacher's daughter, that's the first one I chased, man. Because see, here's the thing. The devil don't want her staying a preacher's daughter. The devil wants her being a woman of the world who used to have a preacher for a daddy. Come on. The devil wants to destroy the household. The devil wants you, just like that right there said, the devil wants you sitting out in the desert. Because what's the next step from desert? You go the right way, it's a promised land. You go the wrong way, it's bondage and slavery. That's why I tell everybody, man, hurry up and get across that river. Get it, figure out what the promised land is and get in it. Then the worst thing that happens to you, if you have a bad spot in your life and you have to take a step back, the worst thing is, is you're out in the desert and I can still tote water to you. But when you're in slavery and in bondage, you're hard to get to. Walk where God wants you to walk. 
Because I'm telling you right now, yeah, just like they said, they come back and said, man, there's giants over there. There's other people. Yeah, they're, man, the promised land, hey, it's a fun place to be, but the fight ain't over with over here. I'll tell you something, the closer you get to God, the bigger that sword gets. And pretty soon, everybody says, well, what happens when that gets, that gets so heavy that I can't carry that big sword that God gave me? You know what you do? You stick it in the ground so deep that it'll never budge, and then you tie your belt to it. And that's when you plant your roots beside that river. Because that weapon God gave you will hold you steady, even when the storm comes. I'm telling you, I have a lot more of these because that book is just blowing my mind. In that book, they're climbing God's mountain, and there's different levels. And each level stands with a prophecy, and each level stands with a, with a word. And when you get up there to I have been crucified with Christ, you're way up there, but that little ledge is little bitty. And that sword is so big that you can't shoot the arrows and heal the sword at the same time, so they take that sword and they jab it in the mountain. Whew, come on. The mountain is God's word. So you take that sword and you jab it into God's word, and it seats you there, and you wrap your belt around it, and then you can shoot your arrows at the enemy the way you need to. Come on. Can you not see where it's going? All you have to do is claim what is already yours. All you have to do is live the life that God has set. You have been set apart from everything else to be a child of God. And that child of God means, how many times, you know how many times this river and this tree beside this river is mentioned in here? This is That tree and that river is even mentioned in Revelation. So it tells me that if I plant myself beside that river and I am piped into the word of God all the time, that not only will I produce fruit, but I will be producing fruit until the end. Because the new kingdom of heaven has a river flowing through it, and there are trees on each side of that river that produce fruit in all 12 seasons. Come on, man. Don't you want to be there? Don't you want to be producing fruit when Jesus comes back? Don't you want to be standing in the army of God? Not just a little soldier in the back. Man, I want to be a lieutenant standing up front. Because I got a feeling, I don't know if y'all know this or not, I've said it a few times, I am infatuated with Jesus' hands. And I'm thinking maybe, maybe, see, because how many people in here, when they, when they go to work, they got to take a test before they can get a promotion? How many people in here remember, you know, you, when you got to go to different levels of things whenever you took a test and you passed it in school? Well, I got a feeling here on earth, if, the more tests I pass, the faster I get promoted in God's army. And I got a feeling that I got to be pretty high up if I'm going to get to shake hands with the commander-in-chief up there. And I want to touch Jesus' hands without being called Doubting Thomas. See, but that's what the world wants for you. Blind Bartimaeus, was he blind? Not anymore, but the world still remembers him that way. I'm not that man anymore. Doubting Thomas believed in the end, but the world still remembers him as Doubting Thomas. I don't want to remember you as angry Ken. You're not angry Ken anymore. I don't want to remember you as confused Aaron. You're not confused anymore. You ain't chopper thief no more. You ain't a thief no more. You ain't a drug head no more. You're my brother in Christ and you stand here redeemed with everybody else. Come on, man. How good is a God that will plant you next to a river that will make you where you never have to stop producing fruit? 
but all you have to do is be willing to get out of the desert. So I'm going to ask you tonight to bow your heads and close your eyes. And y'all all know me. I, you know, I guess it'd be different if I put these numbers up on the board every week. But I don't care how many people show up for church. I've preached to zero. I'll preach to one. And if y'all don't fill this room up, I'll stand out on the sidewalk and preach because that's the only time I feel right. But what I'm going to ask you right now, I can look around this room and tell you right now that everybody in here has given their life to Christ because I baptized some of you and I prayed that prayer with just about all of you. And what I want to know is, are you tired of people having to tote you water? Are you tired of being out in the desert and even starting to get thirsty? Are you tired of having to go through different seasons where you're not producing fruit? Do you want somebody that is a man or a woman of God to walk you to the river and show you where exactly you need to plant roots so you can plant roots and be one who starts giving water to others where you can produce fruit all season? If that's you tonight, if that is where you are at, if that is what you need, I want you to put your hand up in the air. I'm not trying to count you. I just want to know who you are so we can pray with you. And if that's where you're at, I'm going to tell you right now, please, don't stop toting water to others. But when you get there with the water, remember when you dump that water in that hard, dry, nasty ground that they're in, it turns to mud and they're easier to pull up. So pull them up and bring them to the river where they can live by the river of life, right along beside the rest of us. Father God, we come to you tonight. Father, we ask you, to flow through us like a river, Father. Father, to latch on to our roots, Father, and pull them deep into you, Father, to where nothing that we produce is not you, Father. Father, that every fruit that we throw out there, Father, is so sweet with you that it becomes irresistible for others, Father. Father, let us live a life that is pleasing to you and attractive to people on here on this earth, Father, that they too can want what we have and we can take them to the river, Father. And Father, it's all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. You are dismissed. If you raise your hand, please stick around for a minute so we can get with you. Thank you for joining us today. If you have prayer requests or need to contact us, please email us at bikerchurchwileytexas at gmail.com or call 214-283-0620. Please send all written correspondence to 303 Highway 78, Suite 103, Wiley, Texas 75098. And if you wish to make a donation, please make all checks payable to PSMM. God bless you and have a great day.